willing and open to God's words to us this morning. As we dig into God's word, I want you to think of somebody. Um, I want you to think of the most generous person you know. Take a second. Who's the most generous person you know in your world? And why is it that you would call them generous? Are there words that you would describe those people? What words would you use to describe a person who is generous? Caring. Caring. Faithful. Faithful. Kind. Kind. Loving your neighbor. All these different words that we're hearing even now just begin to grab onto what a generous person looks like. I I have um, two people that I think of when I think of generosity. One happens to be, um, and he's a person that I actually have a personal relationship with. I don't consider him a friend. I'm sure that he wouldn't consider me a friend, but um, he's a billionaire. Literally, he is a billionaire. He's on that list of people on this planet who is a billionaire. I've actually done some work with him on a specific team, a specific committee. He's an oil man. He has sold uh, oil companies numerous times in his work life. I think he's retired now, sort of, kind of. But every time he's sold six oil companies, because he's sold six thus far, he sold them for $100 million more than he sold the last one for. And it just sort of ramps up and you can begin to do the math. This is a guy who has a lot of money. And not only does he have a lot of money, but he lives into God's generosity in some really big ways. In fact, I'm fairly certain that he has written checks to Christian organizations, Christian institutions, nonprofit organizations that are worth more than probably what I will make, not just in a year, but probably more like in a decade. And there's probably been a check or two that he's written in his life that are worth more than I ever will see in my lifetime. I mean, you think about the amount of money that this person probably contributes. I'm sure it's in the hundreds of millions of dollars to wonderful organizations all over the world. But he's not the most generous person I know. The most generous person that I know is a person who we actually in our country would probably consider below the poverty line. This is a person who, whenever we're in meetings together, and we've been in several meetings together, they're the person who brings the donuts for everybody and takes great joy in watching people pick out their favorite donut, and in fact, over time, has learned what people's favorite donuts are so that they can bring that favorite donut. Additionally, they're also a person who thinks often about special gifts for different people in their life. People whom they care for and they think thoughtfully and sometimes it's a gift that's worth maybe $5. Maybe at the most $20. I've seen them give a gift for worth maybe $40. But they take great joy in watching the blessing that comes from them having thoughtfully and joyfully given joy, giving joy to another. And the beauty of that generous heart overflows in everyone that this person comes in contact with in some way, shape, or form. 
And I'm so grateful that although I see this one person who in terms of sheer volume of money donated to organizations, we see a big heart of generosity that certainly the kingdom of God can be grateful for because this person has equipped so many ministries in different ways. I'm also so grateful that I know this other who from the little that they have gives so much with so much joy and life that not only is the gift a blessing, but the person is a blessing. We want to think about that this morning as we think about the value that we hear at the river, we have here at the river and disciples give. We're going to dig into 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you want to turn in your Bibles to that, 2 Corinthians is going to be about maybe one quarter from the back of your Bible. You're looking for Romans, then 1st and then 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And in a moment, we'll begin at verse 6 after we spend some time asking God to speak to us. Let's pray. We're listening, Lord. Speak to our hearts. We ask, Father, that as we consider what it means to be generous to the world around us, that how that has impact for your kingdom, we pray, Lord, that you do speak deeply to us. Move in our hearts towards joy and life. Move us to be people who overflow with the grace offered us in Jesus Christ so much that we can't hold on to anything but give it back to you with all the joy of being obedient to who you are. We ask, Father, for those who come this morning asking questions of who you are. We pray that as they hear about the generous gift of grace that you have given us in Jesus Christ, that you would prompt their hearts, that you would move them, Lord, more deeply into relationship with you. Lord, for those of us who have known you for a very long time, give give us a poke, give us a prod. And remind us again of the gift of grace, so much so that our gratitude grows. And we want to give to your kingdom. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to begin reading in 2 Corinthians 9 at verse 6. And we're going to begin with the first four verses. It says this there. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God gives, God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. So as we begin this passage, and certainly um, as we hear messages, as we hear encouragements towards giving, we can hear those things in various ways. We can hear those things um, from the perspective of whoever is giving the, what is called oftentimes in development circles, the ask 
is doing so in a way that they are seeking benefit for themselves. And certainly that could be taken this way this morning, that there is an ask that we as a church regularly make to you to be faithful to what God has called you in giving back to the kingdom and to the ministries of this church. We just had our offering time. The River Life Fund bag, the first bag comes around, and that goes to support the ministry of this church. And in many ways, it could be heard as an ask of benefit to those of us who are in leadership that we are equipped then to serve the kingdom. But as we engage in a passage like this, and especially as we look towards verse 6 in the beginning of this, we hear that this is not just about the receivers. In fact, more importantly, it's not about the receivers of the gift that is offered. It is about the giver. That God is calling us as followers of Jesus into something that if we do not engage in thinking this way or praying and asking for God to transform us this way, that we are missing out on something for ourselves not for the people to whom we give. This is about us and our hearts. When we hear this in verse 6, remember whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. How many of you would like to reap generously of God's kingdom in your life? All of us do right? And what we're talking about here is God's kingdom. And so if you want to be a part of the harvest of God's kingdom, if you are in a sense a miser of what God has given you, then your harvest is small. Instead, a longing in our hearts for a harvest to be great moves our hearts into these things that we hear about. Cheerful giving, When we give more, we actually receive more. I see that in my friend who when they give, they reap great benefit in their hearts that they have blessed another. When we hold on to what we have, there is consequence. And that is a consequence of the heart. In the same way that you and I could think of the most generous person that we know, we probably could also think in the most stingy person we know. Think about that person in your life. Think about a person who is unwilling not only to give of their finances or be a blessing to others financially, but not even willing to give their heart to others and almost in a sense is a miser with who they are. And their world can become very small because they don't have people who are engaged in relationships with love. They're missing out. And that's what this passage is really challenging us with, is what are we missing out on in our lives if we are holding on to the seed that God has given us? And verse 8 challenges us to think about our own provision in relation not just to our generosity, but our cheerfulness in that process. This is not prosperity gospel. This is actually cheerfulness gospel. You and I are friends that are are people that when we give out of out of this, oh yeah, I get to be a part of the beauty here. I get to be a part of the blessing here. I get to be a part of God's work here. Out of that cheerfulness, our heart is transformed. But when we do so out of, and this has happened, right? Obligation. 
Our obligation shapes and forms our heart in such a way that it's not us participating in the blessing. It's instead us doing our duty. Now think about duty in your life. When you have a duty, how many of you have a duty to love your spouse? You actually do have a duty, by the way, right? You do have a duty to love your spouse. I want you to turn to your spouse right now. I'm going to look Christian straight in the eye. And you're going to say to that person, I love you because it is a duty that God has given me. I love you because it is a duty that God has given me. Isn't that romantic? (laughs) Boy, doesn't that feel warm and fuzzy? When we live into life simply based upon the duty that has been put upon us, we miss out on the joy. I love my wife because of the beautiful gift that she is to me. I love my wife because whom God has made her. I love her because of what she has made me. And that changes our relationship deeply. All of a sudden, it's easy to love her. And in the ease of the cheerfulness of that responsibility, more beauty comes. It's the same way with giving. If it is that duty, and we're living into that duty out of a sense of obligation, make sure you move the decimal point over one, write your check, and click send. If that's the duty, you're missing out on the life that God offers to all of us in engaging our heart in his generosity. And here's why I think generosity brings the most joy to us. See, it's a command of God, right? To give, to tithe, to give of tithes and offerings certainly shows up in scripture in various places. In fact, in the Old Testament, it's a huge part of the law of God that you give back to the tabernacle or the temple in such a way that you are bringing your first fruits. So there's all these different commands. And certainly, if we live into those commands, then that's a good thing. And we're being obedient to Christ. However, I think there's much more to the obedience of being generous than just living out those sorts of laws. I actually think that we receive greater joy, friends, when we live into the bigger callings of God in our lives. Can someone tell me very quickly, what is the greatest commandment? It is... Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. And what is it? I think that when we are living into true, cheerful generosity, we're living into that, those two commandments in very special ways. We are living not only into loving the Lord our God with obedience to him, and obedience is a sign of our love for God, but in our loving God in this form and fashion, our neighbor is blessed. We participate in God's work in another. When we give to um, organizations that uh, help the homeless, like Youth Hope, those who live outdoors, We are loving those who are on the street in such a way that I think the blessing becomes even greater, especially as we imagine what that is. As we live into organizations like MCCA, 
Redlands Family Services, World Renew, as we think about all these different, Resonate Global Mission, all these different things that you hear at different times here at the river. As you and I live into those ministries, you and I are not simply being obedient to the first commandment, love the Lord your God with your obedience, but we're also loving our neighbor and equipping the kingdom towards engaging our neighbor. That's why I think true, cheerful generosity brings such joy. We're being obedient to the two greatest commandments. And the more obedience that we live live it into with our Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit, the more joy we experience. The passage continues in verse 10. It says this, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Okay, Here's a question for you, because this passage mentions seed a couple different times. What is the seed that is mentioned? What is it? Anybody? What's word? The seed is... Hmm? It actually doesn't say what the seed is, but it says the, what the harvest is. What's the harvest? It's right there. What is it? Righteousness. Okay, so if the harvest is righteousness, what is the seed? If you plant corn, do you expect to reap pumpkins? The harvest is the same as the seed, isn't it? So if the harvest is righteousness... Then what is the seed? It's got to be righteousness, right? So here when we see the commands of God, and it says to us that as you live into being, sowing your seed with all generosity, what it's talking about there is that your seed is the righteousness of God. It's living more deeply into what God has called us towards. And as God works his way out in our lives, our righteousness grows. And like, you know, if you have a big harvest, those of you who are farmers or no farmers, if they have a big harvest, one of the great benefits of that is for the next planting season, they have more seed. It enlarges our righteousness when we live righteously. That righteousness certainly is indicated here through our generosity, cheerful generosity. But it is most focused towards us being obedient to God in all that we do. And that means that this whole thing is on the table then. Right? We want to see more that we can bless the kingdom of God with than we're living more and more obediently to Christ. That's one of the reasons why I have such a problem with something like the prosperity gospel. Because it focuses all of the idea of our money only around money and generosity. If you give to this organization, God will bless you. If you give more money to this place, God will bless you. That's completely, I think, 
think outside of what God intends for a passage like this. If you want to get more in your life, make it about righteousness. And the righteousness is multiplied in the harvest so that you have more to give. It's about being obedient to God. It's not just about your funds. It's not about your checkbook. It's about your heart. Greatest commandment again. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Live into this more fully and your seed increases. That's the focus. Last section, verse 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves. Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of God. And for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you. Because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now I want to focus on one word. It's in verse 13. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, the next word is what? Who is others? Actually doesn't define it. Doesn't say exactly who others were. And I heard someone say it, the world. Others is everyone. Read what it says others will do. Others will praise God. For the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. Folks, this is almost, in many ways, looked at as a tool of evangelism. The more that the people of God live into growing their seed by living more deeply into righteousness, that righteousness made manifest in the specific command towards cheerful generosity. And as we live into that, the world around us seeking to meet the needs of the poor, the widowed, the orphaned, those who are separated and alone, those who are in prison, those who are, in, who are sick, those who are disenfranchised, by injustice in our culture. As we live more deeply into all of those things, it's an evangelistic tool. Because the word look or the world looks at us and they see that our faith matters to us. You want to know what matters to somebody? Two things you look at, right? You look at their calendar and their checkbook. Either their time or their talents are committed to those things that matter. And when we, friends, as followers of God in Jesus Christ, out of the gratitude for what Christ has done for us through the grace of the empty cross and tomb and the redemption of our lives forever and all eternity in the presence of God, all that stuff, as we live more deeply into that through cheerful generosity to the needs of the world around us, people see See it and say, wow, things really matter to them. They're bought in. They are willing to give those two things, their calendar and their checkbook to the Lord. They're willing to commit those things that the world says hang on to. The world says make it good for yourself. The world says get this, get that, do this, do that. Engage in the experiences that bring the fullness of life. 
How many of you have traveled all over the world? Those of you who have traveled all over the world, does that make your life perfect? It doesn't. All it does is give you some nice experiences, cool pictures on the wall, and some nice memories that you can go back to with the person that you traveled with. It doesn't save you. How many of you bought a new car in the last three months? Year. I envy you. I'm driving a 1997 Ford Escort right now. Pretty awesome. I look forward to the day that my college-graduated daughter does not take all my money. That will come. Jim, your new car bringing you a whole lot of joy? Not bad. (laughs) You're not helping. Doesn't bring you life, though, does it? All of these things. There are people in our church who have moved into new homes. There are people in our church who have have wonderful-looking retirement funds, who have the ability to do so many things, and praise God for the gifts that he has given you. However, for us to hold on lightly to those things, because there's a world out there dying. And if we can be more and more a testimony of the grace of Jesus in our lives by hanging on to those things more lightly so that God might transform them through his power and through his will and also through our faith in giving. I hope, here's what I hope, and this is my challenge to you this morning. Every time either an offering comes around this place, this room, whatever facility that you're in at the time, Or if you get one of those mailings in the mail or an email that you respond to for an organization that you're supporting. Whenever it is that you give to these things in the offering bag or through online or through a check that you write, I don't care what it is. I encourage you, challenge you that in doing that action, dropping what you're dropping in the bag or clicking the link or sealing the envelope, that you can praise God for the opportunity to be involved in his kingdom and do it actively. I, I it almost whisper it as you drop it in the bag. Father, thank you for equipping me to be a part of your kingdom. Thank you, Father, that I can bless this organization that helps people in this way. Put it in the mailbox. Thank you, Father, that I can be a part of what you're doing in this person's life. Click. That's us engaging in the cheerful generosity that enlarges our view of this beyond just the duty, responsibility, and more deeply into what God is doing in us. Remember, this is all about us first. And then for the people receiving. And in our heart being changed in that way, that cheerfulness, that joy comes. That life comes. So, We have this value, and it's right back here. We give generously to see God's kingdom grow. That's our value for disciples give. You see the slide up there. Um, You see that during our offering time. Oftentimes, Don or whoever's back at the booth will make sure that that comes up. My encouragement is that when you see those words or see that slide, that you live into that, Lord, how can I enlarge my seed? Surf idea. Lord, how can I be a part of your kingdom work in this thing? Drop. That 
God in that, that even if it's move, if you it's in your place and in your life, because I know some of you, you've been giving for years and you've been faithful. And I praise God for what he has done through your faithful giving, not just in your life, but in so many different contexts and ministries. I praise God for that. But even asking God in that moment, Lord, enlarge my heart with cheerfulness for your kingdom because you enlarge your heart for me. You made room for me in your grace and in your life and in your eternity and in your kingdom. Lord, may I make more room for you and mine and hold on more loosely to what it is that you have given to me. Our longing as we continue to grow as a church community that that is one of our values, not just for us to name on a slide like this or whatever, but that it's a value for all of us in what it is that we do, that we live into that obedience to God, yes, the righteousness of God, yes, so that we can see, it or see, see the seed grow, that we do so with cheerful, joyful hearts because in doing that, what we're doing is changing us first. Yeah, it's changing others, but it's changing us first. And that's what God longs for us. That's why he's called us to be people who joyfully give in great generosity. Would you pray with me? Father, you have given us so much. And even... um, just thinking about what we have from you, your provision in our lives, it's, it's quite amazing, especially when we look at the world around us. That there are folks who today really are praying for their daily bread because they don't have it. There are people in this world who um, they can't even imagine a car, let alone buying a new one. That they would love to be able to pay rent that there are folks in this world who don't know you. And there are people who long to go to those spaces and share the gospel of Jesus Christ, but they just can't do it yet. They're not equipped. They don't have the funds. Lord, help us to see all these different places where as you enlarge our hearts towards cheerful and joyful giving, that we can be a part of equipping your kingdom in those places. We can be a part of the work of transforming lives and even, Lord, in that as the world bears witness to what it is that we do, that there can be a testimony that people have on their lips that to those people who follow Jesus, their faith matters. They hold on lightly to the things of this world because that's what they've been called to do and they believe it enough to live into it. And they can see the blessing, Lord, that we as people of God reap in our lives. Our righteousness grows so that we can live into more righteousness. Our generosity grows so that we can live into more generosity. The beauty grows so that we can see more beauty. Father, this is work that you can do in each of us. We pray that you do it today in Jesus' name. Amen.